Well, good morning, guys. How's everyone doing? You guys, I feel like there's an energy, there's an excitement in here today. It's great. That's my water, yeah. Yeah, I can move it. (laughs) Um, Really glad to be here with you guys today and to be preaching. We're going to be wrapping up our This Is Us series. So each each Sunday of this month, we've been going through each one of our core values at our church. So far, we've gone through the way of Jesus, come as you are, and church as family. So this week, we're going to be shifting our focus outward and talking about local and global mission, our fourth core value here at our church. One of the ways our church participates in local and global missions, as you guys probably know by now, if you've been around, is through our Beyond Us partners. So before I jump into my message today, this morning I wanted to take a few minutes uh, to give you some updates on our partners. I don't know if you guys remember, if you're new here, you you might have missed this, but um, last September through December, we had a whole Beyond Us initiative where we were able to raise, we set our goal at 20,000 and we were able to all come together and raise that goal and we're able to give it toward the local and global mission work of our partners. It was really exciting for us to be able to, for Josh and I, we, we kind of thought, how much do we want to set it at? Um, it's kind of a challenge for a smaller group like us, but we did it, and uh, thank you guys again for anyone who did give or was a part of that, because um, 2500 of that was given to each of our partners, and then we'll be using the remaining 5000 to meet needs here in L.A., So each of our local and global partners wrote us a thank you email along with uh, giving us some updates how they're using those funds. So for the sake of time, rather than reading each email in its entirety, I'm going to give you some highlights uh, that they sent us about how they've been, what they've been using that money for, and um, just what they have going on. So first, we're going to start with local mission. Uh, You guys may have heard us talking about in this last year, we've really started to step up a partnership with uh, the Harvest Home. So the Harvest Home, if you haven't heard it or need a reminder, they are a residential program here on the west side in Venice where they house homeless pregnant women and their babies. The funds we sent are providing housing and programming for the pregnant woman and new moms in their program. It looks like support, community education, stability while they're pregnant. A lot of them are coming from all kinds of just dangerous situations or unstable situations. So they open up this home, this organization, they have a home where they really train them how to be good mothers, where they care for them in this time of their pregnancy and then after they have their babies for a few months. So they're fully equipped um, once they graduate the program. They leave there feeling trained and ready to take on motherhood and, and even sometimes are able to set up next steps. So in the past eight weeks, they've welcomed six new moms and their babies. So it's exciting. We got to be a part of that, you know, small part of it, whatever it might be. But six new moms and their babies are in a home, are safe, they're warm, they're cared for, they're, they're fed, they're tr- being trained. So our investments also allowing them to take steps to expanding their ministry. They have vision for more. Uh, they want to triple their service capacity, and they're work- making steps towards that. So our, our investment... Uh, is helping them to work towards that. Another local partner of ours is I Empathize. And if you've been around, you know this one. This one's been a partner of ours for a long time. I Empathize is an organization that equips adults to empower youth 
to eradicate exploitation. So they do that, uh, some of the ways they do that uh, is they've been given permission to teach in school, in, in all kinds of different schools, middle schools, high schools, they've gone to colleges. They equip youth with a personal safety strategies and uh, they help them to really nurture empathy for others, teach them what that means, what that looks like, and how to identify when someone, one of their peers or they themselves are being exploited. The program has reached over 20,000 kids in 21 states, and it keeps growing. So God's really blessing them as they're going on that, and we get to be a part of that. They're also collaborating with USC and LA Regional Task Force, uh, LA Sheriff Department, District Attorney's Office, and local victim service organizations to combat human trafficking here. They're also working with uh, local churches. They're educating and empowering parents on the issue of human trafficking, and they're practical ways to keep their kids safe. They're aggressively warring against this issue of modern-day slavery, and our support is empowering them to do so. Then our, our final local partner this last year has been Graceland Church. So you guys might remember these faces. <laughs> um, our former pastors here who planted our church moved out to Tennessee, and they're planting in, now in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville where they currently have 100 people engaged in the life of this new church family. Over 50 newcomers have already come this year. Many first-time followers of Jesus are getting baptized. Many de-churched and disillusioned have been restored to faith and are passionately engaged in local and global mission. So the Kolars have expressed so much gratitude and love for our support, and uh, hopefully we can continue to be in touch with them and, and send them your love. But we don't just stop there. God doesn't confine hope, healing, and restoration and mercy to America. Anyone believe that? God's heart is for the world to be renewed. So we believe in global mission. And we've partnered with three groups in, in this as we've done this Beyond Us initiative. The first one was the Syrian refugee response. So every year, the SoCal Assemblies of God uh, churches partner together and and come together to take on one large project. The project this year was caring for Syrian refugees, providing food, water, education, counseling, and health care. The total funding for this project, are you guys ready for it? We played a small part in this, but we played a part, is $1.7 million. And we're honored to take just a small chunk of that, but it's something, and, and I'm honored to be a part of that, and I, and I hope you guys are too. The next one we have the joy of supporting when it comes to global partners is our global partners in East Africa. These, this family here, uh, who we can't mention their names due to uh, where they're at, they did give us permission to use the picture, um, but they teach 60 students English every week at their English center. They are the only school in town with exclusively American teachers, which they say is highly valued commodity. Our support directly enables them to operate the center and participate as English teachers there. They're continuing to pray for God to give them divine moments where they're able to uh, share about the love of God and pray with people. And they do that through their English school that they, where they teach. And lastly, we're able to support an orphanage in Colombia where uh, we sent a, a team last August to go and, and spend time with the kids and love on the people there. So you can see some pictures up there. Here's, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read what they wrote us as you see those pictures. 
They said, we want to thank everyone at Dwell Church for your generosity in giving towards the children's home in Pereira. Am I saying that right? Columbia. We have been saving over, for over a year and to add on to the nursery as the child services of Columbia required of us. Your first offering of 1500 put us close to our goal. That was when we first went in August. But your second gift of 2500 completed what we needed to build. We are so excited because it has taken us a long time to get all that, it, that is needed. But thanks to you, we will have finished in a few more weeks. God bless you for being Jesus' hands extended. I don't know about you guys, but that, that fills me with joy. Yeah, you guys can clap for that. Just knowing that we've been able to partner with amazing people doing what they feel is their God-given mission, it just brings me so much joy. Um, so before I get into the message this morning, will you join me in prayer and we'll pray for these partners and, and the rest of our time together. God, we thank you so much for, for these people who are so passionate about what they do and are making such a big difference in this world here in California, all the way to Colombia and East Africa. God, we pray that these gifts would continue to, to grow and expand, that these people would receive everything that they need in order to carry out what they feel like you're calling them to. We pray for their, their ministries, their organizations to be so fruitful, God, and to impact so many lives and to continue to grow, that you would make a way for their dreams and their visions to come to fruition. We thank you that we get to be a part of that. Help us to continue to give. Help us to continue to support and love and pray for them. And God, I pray for our time together here today that you would speak to our hearts and minds, that you would open us up to whatever it is you want to say to us through this message today. Help me to speak it uh, well and, and to deliver the, whatever it is that you want to communicate. I pray that um, our hearts would leave here changed, that we would truly be open to reflecting on where we're at and what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So during our series, we've been focusing on the kind of culture we strive to create here at, at our church. Uh, each of our core values that we're hoping to, to have be in the life of our church are, are here, are set up, are communicated to you guys so that we can fuel the spirit of our church so that we can come together and rally around these and really pursue what we feel God is calling us to. And they shape our identity. So when it comes to local and global mission, we support the God-given mission of our partners and all that they're going after, but we'd be making a big mistake if we just stopped there. God doesn't just carry out mission of bringing mercy, hope, and healing to people through other organizations and, and uh, missionaries in other parts of the world. He desires for every one of us to live a life on mission. Doing exactly that, bringing hope, bringing love, carrying peace with us wherever we go. He has a plan and purpose for, for you and your context, where you're at, and for you, for any opportunities that are within your reach. He has a plan and a purpose for our church here in this city. We truly believe that, and that's why we believe in being on mission, living a life on mission. One of the easiest things we can do to learn uh, what it looks like to live life on mission is to look at Jesus' teachings in the Gospels. And then we can look to Acts and, and the rest of the New Testament to see how those were lived out by the early church. 
And when we do that, we see in scripture after scripture that when the kingdom of God comes, it means that following him means it looks like us making way for his plans, his purpose, and ultimately his mission to rule and reign in our hearts. God calls us to surrender anything that might keep our hearts from being obedient and ultimately to cling to him instead of those things. A big thing that dictates our decisions and can keep us from fully doing that a lot of times is is our finances. In just a minute, we'll read about a story in Matthew 19 where this was the case for one young guy who comes to Jesus with a lot of questions uh, but while finances can often be the biggest, one of the biggest areas of our lives that we have difficulty surrendering, God do, isn't just looking for our hearts that are going to surrender finances, but then cling to all these other things that are keeping us from pursuing him and, and allowing his will to be done in our lives. So as we read Matthew 19, keep in mind that finances are the one thing that this young ruler uh, has in his life that keeps him from experiencing all that God has for him. But for you, it could be something completely different. It could be something else holding you back. In Matthew 19, we're going to read it here, so feel free to turn to it in your Bibles or I'll have it up on the screen. We come to the story of this young rich ruler who is asked the question that many people wrestle with. He comes to Jesus, and in verse 16, he asks him, Teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus, he responds by saying, why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. So he already starts to kind of reframe his thinking. He already starts to uh, reshape and remold the habit that he's been in, the things that he's been taught. and, And he's already redefining for him what the kingdom of God is like. He says, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and father, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell all your possessions, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So if we take a step back and look at that story, I think the the main point and the larger message of this passage is to trust Jesus, trust in him by faith alone, not by faith in your works. He has no problem saying and looking at his works and saying, I've, I've been able to follow those things. Those are exterior things. I can do those. But when it comes down to it, Jesus, he wants him to trust in him by faith alone. He gets to the root and the core of his heart that's keeping him from living fully on mission with God. So Paul points us back to this in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not a gift from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. But he doesn't just stop there by telling the readers uh, what they are saved through. He tells them what they are saved to. He says in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. He reminds them, there's good works to be done. You're saved through faith. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to achieve it. It's grace. It's freely given to you. But there is good work to be done. We can't earn salvation through good works, but salvation isn't just about going to heaven. How many know that? It's more than that. It's life here and now. It's about discovering also who God created you to be so that you can live on mission. Verse 10 says we are God's handiwork. So what are your unique giftings, your unique qualities that God is ready to use in you that can shape your very world and shape eternity here and now? As you accept God's invitation to live life on mission, develop those gifts and stay close to the heart of God. Uh, and he's the one who will ultimately given us all those gifts. And sometimes we might, Jackie preached on our insecurities and the lies we believe, and I, and I loved it. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves that we're not worthy. Sometimes we tell ourselves we, we can't do all that God's called us to because we have this in our lives or that in our lives, and we've chosen to believe those things like Jackie talked about. But it's important to come back to that, to come back to its, its grace. Grace, we're, through grace, we're saved. We don't deserve it. We, we are crappy people sometimes. Um, but God makes us new. He, he makes us a new creation. And then he calls us to those good works. So, God invites us into relationship with him, and in doing so, he calls us to greater purpose and significance than we could ever ask or imagine. And you might hear that and think, and you might have thought in your life, well, I'm just kind of trying to get through life, doing my thing. You might get kind of overwhelmed by thinking, like, what am I supposed to do? What can I do? What's within? What, what kind of difference can I make? It's not always about feeding 4,000 or or um, doing all these big, amazing things. Sometimes it's just about the relationships that God's giving you. Like I said, those opportunities that are within your reach and just being faithful to those. Whatever it is, God will make it clear to you when you get close to his heart, when you stay close to him. How many people here love road trips? Anybody? Yeah. I know there's a few. I know the Kazarowski's like a good NorCal road trip. And then we got Tristan over here. He's got an abundance of obscure facts about U.S. cities. And every year, him and his buddies from high school take trip road trips somewhere. He did south, the Southwest last year. So if you need a Southwest expert, he's the guy. <laughs> or anywhere else, really, because he's just he's got a brain. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Sarah loves him, too. She partially loves him. She tells me it's because she likes that I'm trapped in the car with her and I have no choice but to talk to her. <laughs> which I love too. Um, not that we don't talk any other time, but no. <laughs> but we love, we, we really love the journey. We love the process of getting to the, to the destination almost as much as we love actually being there and enjoying wherever it is that we go. We, when we moved here, uh, we, you'll see a picture up here. We drove cross country. We're from New England, Sarah's from New Hampshire, I'm from Massachusetts, uh, and we packed our car full of everything that we owned at the time, <laughs> and it was very full, like, to the max. Sarah had stuff on her lap, I'm pretty sure, um, and as we were going, we, we decided early on that we would make the most of this, 
ultimately, we moved to LA. We, we wanted to make this city our home, uh, but we knew that this was an opportunity to do a little bit of exploring along the way. So sure, at some point we hit, you'll see it here. I don't know if you, do you have the picture? Yeah, you'll see it, but we hit like the worst storm of our lives. I didn't know, we're, we've been through blizzards before, but apparently the Midwest in like June can be pretty bad. <laughs> um, it's like, we, we started driving, and the picture is, you see that, that's like before we entered it. That, it was like black, there was hail. I had like flashbacks to Twister, and I was like waiting for the cow to come flying over. It was scary, I literally thought we were gonna die, and thank God we didn't, and we're here. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I, due to my, you know, vigilant driving, I guess, I don't know what you want to say, but um, we made it through, and we only didn't just make it through the bad parts, we made the best of the journey. Uh, early on in the trip, we set the tone of a little spontaneity, and we went two hours out, outside of our route uh, and did a little detour to Niagara Falls. Um, we wanted to create memories along the way. So don't miss out on the journey on the way to the destination. Does life after death matter? Yes, absolutely. We look forward to it. It's our hope as Christians that God's going to restore all things, that we have a future of eternity with him beyond anything we can imagine. But we also have God dwelling in us here and now. So we should go after all that he has given us, all that he has for us in our time here on earth, and embrace that journey. If salvation is a journey, then surrender is that starting point of that journey. Complete, complete surrender is what's required of us as we follow Jesus. We can only pick up what he's putting down when we put down what we're clinging to. And we can't cling to those things that keep us from true intimacy with him. So this is what the story of the young rich ruler points us back to. It's clear from this story that entering God's kingdom and joining him on mission can only happen when the followers, when followers of Jesus live life with hearts that are fully surrendered to him. So in order for our focus to truly be on eternity, then our heart must be open to what God is doing here and now. Eternity isn't just something that we face when we die. We believe in local and global missions because we believe in making the most of every opportunity. But the reality is if our hearts aren't fully surrendered to God, then we'll miss out on the joy of all that God has for us to do and all that he wants to do in us and through us. For the rich young ruler, uh, the one thing he couldn't surrender was his finances. It's as if he's standing there and he's got this pile of money in his hands and then Jesus is standing there in front of him and he's with open arms just waiting for him to come and embrace him. But the young rich ruler, he can't, he holds on to it. He can't let go. He can't surrender it. And Jesus is just waiting and waiting. And ultimately, he just feels like he can't. He can't let go of that one thing. It's coming in the way of him living life on mission and giving to the poor and doing all that God has for him and following Jesus. And everyone knows Jesus got the best embrace. He's just waiting there. But he can't. He's so focused on himself. He's so focused on his finances, whatever the case was for him at the root of his heart. He might have feared discomfort, losing a sense of control, or people's viewing uh, the way they viewed him. Money can easily influence the motive of a person's heart, so it could have been a number of things. 
But ultimately, for him, it was that one thing that kept him from truly living for God and joining him on mission and giving to the poor. So the call to live on mission and and complete surrender of all that might keep us from submitting to God go hand in hand. When God calls us to mission, he calls us to surrender. That's the heart of it. We can't start that journey. We can't be looking for opportunities to live on mission unless our hearts are fully surrendered. When I read through this story, one of the mo- almost one of the most alarming parts uh, for me is that this young rich ruler, he believed he did everything right. He believed he did all the right things, but he still felt unsettled, like he lacked something to inherit eternal life. He couldn't pinpoint the issue in his heart. That's why it's so important to continually ask God, God, search my heart. What in me is keeping me from from you? We might not even realize it. We might not even recognize those things. And that's why it's important to continually come back to God and, and just ask God to search our hearts, to bring out those things, to point us to the things in our lives where we haven't given him full trust. Living on mission isn't just about doing admirable things for the sake of good being accomplished. It's to put your life at the disposal of God. It's about obedience to God. You can't obey if you're holding on to something that is keeping you from complete attachment to him. If deep down in your heart there are things that you haven't let go of, then you won't be free to go wherever God's calling you to go, to do whatever he's asking you to do. We'll find ourselves saying things like, what about my bills? Or what about providing for my family? How will this person think of me? Some of those are good and important questions to ask. But surrendering to God simply means that we trust him to be faithful to take care of all those things. That's what it comes down to. God will take care of you when you follow him, when you do what he's asking of you, when you surrender all in your life that's keeping you from doing that. So joining God in his mission, no matter how big or how small, won't leave us lacking. God will honor a heart that makes an attempt to be at his disposal, to be completely surrendered and obedient. So living on mission starts when we're close enough to Jesus to know the things that might be keeping us from following him with our heart fully surrendered. I'm going to ask Jackie to come up and the worship team. So what is it that Jesus is asking you to surrender in order for you to join him on mission? Not halfway, not just when it's convenient, not because I'm telling you to. Surrender fully to God this morning because he paid the great price. He died for us so that we could live and live to the fullest. What's holding you back could be a many different things. It could be one prominent thing. But a good way to measure those uh, things, what they might be, is for you to reflect on how you make your decisions in your life. When important decisions come up, even day-to-day decisions, what are the first things that come to mind when you have to make those decisions? For you, maybe it's a, a surrendering of control. Of Maybe it's surrendering possessions or finances like it was for the young rich ruler. Could be relationships in your life. It could be pride. It could be fear or fear of failing. It could be a sin that you feel like you can't let go of. Maybe you're hesitant to surrender because it can be seen as a sign of weakness in our society and just 
the very nature of surrender alone. I, it's saying I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm letting go. But we, I think we need to embrace that. We are weak. We, are, we do fail. We are full of sin. When we surrender our lives, we move from being lost in those things and controlled by them to God helping us overcome them so that we can live a life of purpose and bring hope that we found to other people. Whatever you're facing or clinging to, breakthrough can come and deliverance can come. But it doesn't have to, have to ha- happen. It doesn't happen unless we're willing and able to take a step. For him, he couldn't let go. He couldn't give his money away. What is it that you're struggling to let go of? Ask God to help you surrender it. Ask God to bring breakthrough in your life. But it takes a step of faith of saying, God, I want you. I don't want this. Maybe, maybe it is something that you love in your life. It could even be your family and deep down in your heart have you surrendered them and said, God, I trust you with them. I trust you that you'll take care of them. I trust that you'll lead them to you. If it's sin, if it's a sin you've struggled with and maybe it's an addiction you've struggled with, it can take courage to face those things, but we have to know that God wants us to live free. He wants the best for us. He wants us to be just living such an amazing life of purpose and significance in, even in the smallest of ways that we might think are small, but in reality, they're a big deal to God, just loving other people wherever we go. And the reason I, wanted to, I felt led to talk about surrender is because we can talk about doing all kinds of good things, just like the young rich ruler points to his external things. But if we're not getting to the root of our hearts, if what's going on inside of our hearts isn't complete surrender to God and saying, God, I want to be used by you however you want, whatever you want to do in me. I want relationship with you above all else. I want to follow you because your ways are best. Then we'll just be doing good things for the sake of doing good things. We won't be doing good things for the sake of shaping eternity and being a part of all that God has and being a part of his kingdom and following after him because he is Lord of our lives. Lord of our lives mean that we give all control to God. We, we let him do what he does because he created us. He knows us. He knows what's very best for us. So let go of those sins. Let go of the, the control that you try and have. Release your finances. Give those relationships over to God and trust that he will make them beautiful. He will do the things that we can't do on our own, that we're too weak to do, so we surrender. So make some kind of effort this morning in your heart as we sing this next, this response song. I want to, you to ask God to make known to you what you need to surrender. Make it evident in your heart. And, and as he makes it evident, as he speaks to you, lay it down in order to take up a life that's totally on mission for him. So Jackie's going to go ahead and sing a song. And we'll spend a few minutes just in response reflect on what it, whatever it is and ask God to do a work in your heart. Ask God to change your heart and trust that he will when you let go and you surrender.